Acts 9, 1 through 20. In Jerusalem, Saul was still throwing the flowers of the Lord by saying he would kill them. So he went to the high priest and asked him to write letters to the synagogues in the city of Damascus. Then if Saul found any followers of the Christ's way, men or women, he would arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem. So Saul headed toward Damascus, and he near came to the city. A bright light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Saul fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul said, Who are you, Lord? The voice answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Get up now and go into the city. Someone there will tell you what you must do. The people traveling with Saul stood there but said nothing. They heard the voice, but they saw no one. Saul got up from the ground and opened his eyes, but he could not see. So those with Saul took his hand and led him to Damascus. For three days, Saul could not see and did not eat or drink. There was a follower in Jesus in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision. Ananias, Ananias answered, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, get up and go to the straight street. Find a house of Judas and ask for a man named Saul from the city of Tarsus. He is there now praying. Saul has seen a vision in which a man named Ananias comes to him and lays his hands on him. Then he is able to see again. But Ananias answered, Lord, many people have told me about this man and the terrible things he did to your holy people in Jerusalem. Now he has come here to Damascus, and leading priests have given to the power rest everyone who worships you. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. I have chosen Saul for important work. He must tell about me to those who are not the Jews, to kings, and to people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias went to the house of Judas. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus sent to me. He is the one you saw on the road on your way here. He said to me that you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit immediately. Something that looked like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he was able to see again. Then Saul got up and was baptized. After he ate some food, his strength returned. Saul stayed with the followers of Jesus and Damascus for a few days. Soon he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, Jesus is the Son of God. Awesome. She did an amazing job. Awesome. And may God add his blessing to the public reading of his word. You guys may be seated. All right. Pastor John, or Vicar John, as your website says. <laughs> That's right. And I'll talk about that in just a moment here. Um, as we were having the scripture read to us, I noticed once again that the, uh, the print they use when they read up here is like, that big. And I need print like this, see? And I could never read off that sheet, and they did a wonderful job in both services. Thank you very much. Uh, I would like to introduce myself. I'm Pastor John Berg. Uh, I'm a retired United Methodist pastor. 
Even though this is my second week of five weeks in a row filling in for others, I guess uh, that's what uh, someone will have to define retirement to me, I guess. That's how that works. The last time I preached here, I was the fill-in for the fill-in as the pastor filling in for Pastor Dave couldn't make it. Um, so therefore, now I've graduated to just the fill-in, so that works for me, all right? So It's a pleasure to be here this morning. It's a joy to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me very well, I, I love getting up and preaching about Jesus Christ. Uh, some might call me a prosperity preacher, but I assure you I am not. Uh, the reason we need a Savior is because of sin. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself here before I start the sermon. Uh, I remember the last time I was here, uh, I gave you a charge uh, to go forth and, and do something. I want to see how you did. I asked you to bring someone new to church. Do you remember that? Uh, how'd you do? I didn't say invite someone to church. I said, uh, uh, that's, that's too easy. And it doesn't work. However, if you bring someone to church, then it gets them here. And then it's up to the, to the Holy Spirit and, and Pastor Dave and, and his crew. Uh, and it's pretty easy to do because you just have to invite someone out for breakfast uh, on Sunday morning. And then you, you stop by at church and, and you're having something to eat and having some fellowship and having some worship. Uh, it's a great tool. So plan on doing this. There's a lot of empty seats in both services. Bring someone to church. Now before we get to the sermon, I'd like to invite you to our new website, as, as Blake uh, uh, pointed out. It's, I have a website called vicarjohn.com. Uh, that's V-I-C-A-R-J-O-H-N.com. And you'll find this sermon, uh, plus others, and the text. Uh, and, and then there's a video on there that you can just... Uh, uh, hit it and it'll automatically go to YouTube. It'll take you there. Uh, we are also on Facebook and YouTube uh, with the same name, Vicar John. Uh, that's one word, small letters. You have notes there. You can write notes. Vicar John. I didn't do that first service. I forgot about that. That can be your notes for the day. Uh, we also have uh, the web page and we have Facebook and YouTube and it's on Tumblr and Pinterest and others. However, what we do is more than a sermon. It's a worship service. Uh, uh, we, I, I have a prayer time and, and different things that we do there. I try to keep it under 30 minutes uh, for, for the people who are busy. It's a chance uh, for people to worship who have no other way to worship. So really, it's not for you today. It's for those who aren't here. Hmm, how does that work? The reason I'm telling you this is not to promote my own ego or anything. This, we put this out for free. We don't get paid or anything for it. We, we uh, put it out there so uh, people have an opportunity to, to worship and know Jesus better. And we all know uh, people who aren't here today, and it's rather common, unfortunately, for people to come to church in a haphazard fashion. Personally, I believe that you need Jesus all the time, and you should be in worship at least once a week. So if you know people who are unable to attend, just tell them about this website so that they can worship. The second reason for this, doing this website is our daughter Brandy in Orlando. She's a web designer, and she knows lots of people in the industry. And when she does something on YouTube, it's not uncommon to get three and 4,000 viewers. 
and bless her heart because she wanted to, a way to reach people with this message of Jesus. Therefore, she set this whole thing up. And I can assure you that I know absolutely nothing about the workings of this thing. And if there's things that are mistaken on there, it's because I've been messing around. So uh, anyway, and the last reason we do this is, is selfish. I need to keep active. I find there's nothing more fulfilling for me than, than doing worship service. I'd also like to warn you that uh, I might be referring uh, to last week's sermon a little bit about Peter. And if uh, you want to know more about that, you're just going to have to go on YouTube and, or find the website to see it. Uh, so uh, anyway, with that said, now we can get to the, uh, get to the uh, message now. I, I fulfilled Greta's requirement of, of, uh, of being a little bit longer so that she didn't have to, uh, uh, she wouldn't be scrounging for Sunday school anyway. So anyway, uh, let's get to our message. Let's, let's pray first before we start. Gracious Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for all that you do. And the love you give us, it just never stops, Lord. And we ask this morning that you uh, put the Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, as we come to worship you and cast out any bad spirits that might be here, Lord. Just cast them right out on 45th Street. Get them out of here. Be gone with them. And we just thank you, Lord, for, for doing this, for anointing us uh, with the Holy Spirit. And we ask that the words of my mouth be your words and they fall upon open ears and, and, and minds and especially open hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would guess that if I went around the, uh, the room today, I would find that many people don't like change very much. I know that I don't care about it, and many people I know are like that. And, and there's probably really nothing wrong with that, unless, of course, it uh, inhibits your ability to, to function. Uh, you don't get to live as long as I have without being able to adapt, however, and that's totally different than change. We adapt because we have to, and we may not like it. And as I said in last week's sermon, get used to it. Anyway, today we're going to take a look at a different kind of change. This is a change that's fiercely resisted. Because Satan owns this world. It's a change that's always good, and yet so many don't have it. Let's look at the story of Saul and see if we can see ourselves in the life, in, in the life of Saul. Not many years ago, there was a movie out about Jackie Robinson that was supposed to be quite good. I didn't see it. I'm sure some of you have seen it. Uh, he was the man that broke the color barrier and changed Major League Baseball for the better. He did not have it easy. Fans jeered him at every stadium. Uh, players would try to trip him and stomp on him and kick him. Uh, last week I preached about how life isn't fair and it sure wasn't fair for Jackie Robinson. One day he was playing in his hometown in Brooklyn, New York, and he made a mistake. In baseball they call it an error. The fans were on him right away and they jeered him and ridiculed him as he stood at second base. The shortstop, Pee Wee Reese, came over to him and put his arms around him, and they faced the audience, the crowd. They became quiet. Robinson said that gesture probably saved his career. So often we don't realize how our actions hurt someone, 
Oftentimes we make a mistake or, or we like the fans in the crowd and we do something shameful. And you should always remember to praise the Lord during these times because he's the one that comes up to you and puts his loving arm around you so that you can try again. He loves you that much. God also wants you to reach your full potential. Now the main problem here is that we don't know what that really is. This is an example of, of why you should be doing all the little things you can to help uh, people like Jackie Robinson. It will never hurt you to know the checkout people at Hornbachers or wherever you shop. You, you never know who you're talking to. Uh, you might have heard this story before. Uh, Warren Kimball tells it uh, of a Sunday school teacher who led uh, uh, the famous D.L. Moody to Christ in the 1800s. Excuse me. And then in 1870, Wilbur Chapman uh, attended a D.L. Moody uh, uh, meeting in Chicago and received personal counseling and, and was led to Christ by, by Moody himself. And he became his friend and, and co-worker. And uh, they did lots of things. And then he went and he hired a, a former baseball player named Billy Sunday to work as, as an advance man for him. And in 19... Uh, 24, uh, Sunday held an evangelistic campaign in Charlotte, North Carolina, and from that grew up a prayer group, uh, what would eventually be known as the Charlotte's Businessmen's Club. This group of men invited a, a, guy, a fellow named Mordecai Ham uh, to an evangelistic event in 1934. At one of these meetings where Mordecai Ham was, was preaching, a 16-year-old named, lad named Billy Graham came forward and received Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And of course, Billy Graham has gone on to preach to millions of people around the world. The point is, of all this, is that you do not know what God has in mind for the person sitting next to you or the people sitting around you, and that includes you. His plan could be for something great to happen now, or in 40 or 50 years, or continuing from 2,000 years ago. And this is where we're at in this morning's scripture. The first two verses we talk, we meet a Pharisee who is a leader amongst Pharisees. He's very intelligent, he's very persuasive, and on a mission that he knows comes from God. He's out to destroy everyone who's involved in the new religion called the Way, which is what the Christians were called. He has already murdered Stephen, and now he's making murderous threats against all the disciples with the blessing of the high priest. His name is Saul, and he was possessed to do away with the disciples. You know, the tough part of a situation like this is that Saul thinks he's doing the work of God. These people are hard to figure out. They do what they do with little regard for anything else because they know that God told them to do it. Organizations have been doing this for centuries. The Catholic Church knew they were doing God's work when they sold indulgences for cleansing sins in the Middle Ages. The Church of England knew they were doing God's will by only ministering to the rich people. Even governments today uh, say that they are doing God's will as, as they are murdering and oppressing millions of people. What's wrong with us? Why can't we learn? 
Why can't we see that Jesus Christ is the only way? And it's not just organizations that do this. Adolf Hitler thought he was a wonderful Christian, and look what he did. And I'm sure that if you remember, no one could talk any sense into Jim Jones before his cult committed mass suicide. And those lunatics that caused 9-11 knew they were right. And we don't have a clue as to what's going on in the minds of these people who shoot up our schools or other places where crowds are gathering. People, we have a sick society. We have people like Saul all around us. One of the most disheartening things that I hear is when someone tells me that God has told them to tell me something. When I hear this, red flags go up all over. These people seem to think they have a special pipeline to God that no one else has. I feel maybe these people aren't quite the prophets that they think they are. If God wants me to know something, chances are he will tell me himself. Or if he wants you to know something, he will tell you. Jesus came to this world so that we could speak directly to him. We don't need that intermediary anymore. We can go directly to God. And that, that is our good news, and we should praise the Lord for that. Suddenly... Jesus appears before Saul, who was on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians. Even though Saul has been one of the worst enemies of Jesus, Jesus only makes him blind. He doesn't do anything else. Even though he had the power to do anything, he just makes him blind and tells him to go, and he'll be told what to do. For three days, Saul is blind. Three days, he's in total darkness. He's led to the city and stays. And I imagine that Saul had some real soul-searching done in those three days. I cannot begin to imagine the processes of some of these high and arrogant leaders, such as Saul. Uh, these high leaders just have a hard time to admit that they are wrong. If uh, some of you might remember Richard Nixon, it took him a couple of years or so before he admitted he was wrong. And some other leaders like, like Bill Clinton never did admit he was wrong. Satan works with this huge problem in our lives called the ego. It seems that we have a hard time getting past our egos. We would rather be blind than to give up to our egos. And then Jesus strikes Saul blind. And he has no choice but to re-examine his life. But that's not the most unimaginable thing happening here. We have Ananias who has been told by the Lord to minister to Saul. He knows of Saul and he knows he's come to Damascus to arrest the apostles, maybe even kill them. He knows of all the terrible things that Saul done. So basically he tells the Lord, are you crazy? Do you know who this man is? I can't minister to this man. He's a terrible enemy. Well, Maybe that's not quite exactly what he said. But it's something I might have said. I might have said, or you might have said. I think it's wonderful that we can take everything to Jesus, even our fears and our anxieties and our anger. Now I want you to notice how the Lord deals with this. Just as he did with Saul, God does not get angry with Ananias either. 
He just tells him to go. And Ananias went. Ananias also had to swallow his ego. He's a regular person, just like you and I. We all have our egos that can stand in the way of our God. Now we come to the most important part of this scripture. Saul is in a bad way. He's blind. In those days, blind people had to fend for themselves. There was no programs for them. As a matter of fact, there's very little sympathy for them. Normally, he could have been left on his own. We need to remember that this society was primitive uh, by our standards. It was Jesus who brought compassion into this world. Jesus is responsible for all of our compassion programs. Before this time, there was very little compassion for anyone considered less than you, and we can see this as how the Romans treated the Jews. But Jesus loves Saul, even though he's a down-and-out rat. Through Ananias, the Holy Spirit is given to Saul because Jesus had big plans for him. He has such big plans for him that Luke, the author of Acts, writes about him for the next 18 chapters in the book of Acts. He has such big plans for him that he will go on to write the majority of the New Testament books. Saul is a changed man. We talked about this last week, and I've talked about it many times. Jesus changes people for the better. Saul is no longer that evil scoundrel of a Pharisee. He's now a dedicated follower of Jesus Christ, the very man he had hated just a few days before. He is so changed that even his name will be changed. He will soon be known as Paul. Paul will be the one to take the gospel and spread it to the Gentiles in the area and the known world. He will go on to affect every generation from then till now. He's not unlike an unknown Jackie Robinson or a 16-year-old Billy Graham. God sees potential and he gets events started so that they come back to honor him and not us. I stand before you this morning and I see all the wonderful, the good potential sitting before me. It's up to you to go out and get started. Spread the name of Jesus wherever you go and whatever you do. Now the question that comes up in some minds when we read passages like this is, how do we know when we are indeed saved? All I can say that if you aren't sure you are saved, then you probably aren't. Last week we talked a little bit about how many people are sitting in our churches that aren't Christian, and that's a good thing, and we got many also that sit that, that think they are Christian but are not. Most of, most of us aren't being led by God to be another Billy Graham or a Paul. We're just regular folks, all of us. And I'd like to say that after uh, getting to know you a little bit for the past two years since I retired, I know that there are, there are many Christians in our midst. But I don't know for sure. It's not up for me to know. All I can do is present the gospel in a way that's pleasing to our Lord, and he will do all the rest of the work. When I was still leading churches, we would have our confirmation classes uh, stand before the congregation and say their vows that they were a Christian. But I didn't know for sure if they were or not. I had a you know, pretty good idea, but there was no certainty. That was between them and God. That is between you and God. 
Then you will know for sure. For sure. And you will act accordingly. I try to preach every Sunday like 99% of you are saved. And I might be a touch high on that, but that's just a whole different sermon. Anyway, if there's anyone here this morning who's not saved, uh, this is for you. Ask Jesus Christ to live in your heart. Confess your sins, repent, and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and ask him to live in your heart. You see, you see, Paul and Billy Graham aren't the only changed people in the world. There are many of you folks out there today, including myself, who have been dramatically changed by the presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. And this change is not only good, but it's great. This is not just for the other people sitting around you. This is for you. Jesus wants to enter your life so he can talk to you, have conversations with you, so that he can wrap his arms around you in love and comfort. Ask him in today. I'm going to get a touch off track here a little bit this morning. I do that quite often. One of the major, I hope I can tie it all in at the end, one of the major objections that an evangelist will get for people not asking Jesus into their lives is that they can do it later. But we don't all have a later. We keep having these terrible tragedies happening in our country, and I don't normally talk about these types of things very much, but these kind of jump out at us. How many school shootings do we have to have before we've had enough? Our our daughter and son-in-law were at that concert where that terrible massacre happened in Las Vegas last fall. Things can hit real close to home, real quickly. We have so-called terrorists doing bombings and other abhorrent deeds all over the world. And by the way, we should quit calling them terrorists and start calling them chickens because that's exactly what they are. Anyway, my first thoughts and prayers always go out to those families that have been left devastated and have huge holes in them. I think the bottom line is this, and I've said this many times. We are a broken people living in a broken world. And it's not just a little bit broken. It's way broken. Way. The first thing that happens after one of these tragedies is is we point the blame finger at someone. We cannot come to grips with the fact that we are to blame for this. God did not do this. This is the work of Satan and not God. God will try to get a hold of us, or Satan will try to get a hold of us any way he can. And when he finally succeeds and he breaks something, and then terrible things happen. But God did not do this. But he will get some glory out of this somehow. Some people will change, or some people will come to know Christ because of this and do great things. Through all the hurt and agony, God will shine through. Satan may win a battle here and there, but God has already won the war. He will triumph in this somehow, and I should be hearing some amens to this. Another thing way to understand this is, is that we, we don't really understand death. It's sad when someone dies. It's a loss for us in this world. But we know better. Deep down, we know that when we die, we will be in glory with Jesus. Do you remember the transfiguration? 
Moses and Elijah walked with Jesus centuries after they had died in this, this world. They were and they are alive. Jesus walked with us for 40 days after he died. He was and he is alive. He came to this earth to show us that there's more to life than what we see now. There's much, much more. There's an eternity more. And I don't want anybody mourning for me at my funeral when I die because I'm going to be walking and talking with Jesus during that funeral. Anyway, getting back on topic, as I mentioned, Saul had some soul searching to do. We know this because this formerly hardened instrument of Satan got up from being blind and was baptized. We're talking about a changed man here. Just like Peter was changed last week, he will eventually go on to be one of the greatest evangelists that's ever lived. And we need to take notice of this because of two things. One, Jesus is always in control. And two, your ego is not. And if your ego is in control, then you probably will never get to know Jesus. Terrible things happening uh, have become far too common and I have no real idea as to why these things happen, but I do know that even in these times of tragedies, uh, God's love and presence will, will shine through. Eventually, uh, things will happen for his glory. Our job is the same job that Jesus shows us as he converted Saul to a believer. We are, trying to, we are, we are to keep trying to win people through the Holy Spirit to Jesus. We want everyone we know to join us in glory and in heaven, should, should something happen to us tomorrow? And I would guess, I would guess with some certainty that at least some of these victims of these shootings and tragedies wished that they had five more minutes. Just five more minutes in this world to get right with Jesus. So don't postpone your decision to follow Jesus because we do not know the hour which he will come. Today we've talked about Saul and how Jesus changed the life of a bitter enemy. At least Saul was bitter. He also changed, has also changed the life of a dear friend of his, Peter. Jesus changes people for the better. This is one, uh, one change that everyone should be just going after and seeking out with vigor. And whatever you are doing and wherever you are at, do it in the name of Jesus. Things will be better, and that's a promise from Jesus who loves you more than you will ever, ever know in this world. His love for you specifically will never stop. It goes on and on and on and on. So grab a hold of it and praise the Lord. And thank you, Jesus, for first loving us. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for this wonderful book that you've given us, the Bible, where we can read these, these great stories and, and learn so much, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us because we're blind, Lord. We're all blind. We're blind. We don't see the poor. We don't see the hurting. We don't see uh, all that type of thing in our world. Help us to lose our blindness and see your world as you see it. We praise you, Lord for this love, this ability we have to come to you. And now we ask that our tithes and offerings this morning be pleasing to you as we take these to a world that's hurting. Help us to minister to all who are around us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.